Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. So we're now in our, I don't know, I've completely lost count, uh, week of school at home. It's not homeschool. There's no way this is what homeschooling is actually like. But we are in, I don't know, I've lost count, whatever week this is of school at home. And so yesterday, uh, so in my home, I have a 14-year-old, and he is working on what he is working on. But I also have a 16-year-old, and let me just say, she is... She is diligent, and so she is pursuing, you know, AP physics, and uh, I don't even know what all. Like, right? So she she's a smarty pants, which I'm totally excited about and proud of. Um, but she has a lot of assignments here towards the end of the year, and one of them yesterday, uh, she goes to a classical Christian school, and one of her assignments yesterday was to um, write a dialogue. Um, anticipate a dialogue, a kind of conversation that might happen with a secular individual. Oh, by the way, um, what she's reading right now with her other uh, juniors in high school is a book by Nancy Piercy on the subject of truth. And so um, that's uh, that's some high-level reading for juniors in high school. But that's the book that, that she's then discussing in this assignment. And she's supposed to write a dialogue practicing or anticipating, you know, what a conversation with a person who has a secular mind and a secular mindset, a secular worldview, what that dialogue and conversation might look like today. And so I had the joy of role-playing that. Um, I played the role of Secular Susie, uh, her friend, and we uh, imagined that we had some kind of experience that we shared. And that actually, um, that was an interesting part of the conversation, because it illuminates the reality that we are often, as Christians, not in conversation with friends who do not share our worldview. So it's one thing to have a conversation with a friend about the truth, about identity, about um, Jesus. It's another thing to have a conversation with a friend who is not a Christian about those same things. Because for the most part, we as Christians don't have friendships with people who are not Christians. That led us to a whole conversation about, well, after all of this, in the aftermath of all of this, how are we going to be intentional about cultivating friendships um, outside of our current circle? And so let me just encourage you to go ahead and start that today. How might you and I begin to cultivate in this season of uh, social isolation, how might we begin to cultivate real friendships with people who do not share our worldview? And so can you have a virtual cup of coffee? Can you, you know, gather together in a Zoom room or 
on Facebook or somewhere. I don't really, I don't, I don't have an d- exact plan for you. Oh, and like the person who emailed me who wanted to know how in their own community to, you know, uh, engage with elderly uh, folks in terms of serving their needs. Hey, hey, you guys live across the country. So, you know, you all you have to do is find the food distribution network in your own community, right? This is not, uh, let's... Let's step up to the plate here and let's do for ourselves what we are obviously able to do, which is find the places and spaces in our own communities where people need to be served and then figure out how to engage there, right? You don't need someone else to hold your hand to do that. You're already holding the hand of Jesus and he already knows how to reach and teach and love those people. So don't be afraid, okay? Don't be afraid. I can tell you that Meals on Wheels needs volunteers right now. And so you can just find the Meals on Wheels affiliate in your own community if you're looking for a way uh, to reach out and help. But let's anticipate that this is going to uh, come to an end. And then on the other side of it, people are going to have a heightened interest in the things of the faith and that you and I need to be friends with them in order that we'll be in the space to have the kinds of conversations that Eliana was practicing having, anticipating having yesterday with uh, me, Secular Susie in that particular conversation. Okay, up next, Dr. David Stevens from Christian Medical and Dental Association. He and I are going to do a little COVID-19 update. Um, One of the conversations we're definitely going to have because it's one I personally need. How do you sleep through the night in the midst of all this? We'll be right back. Joining me now, Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Welcome back, sir. Good to hear your voice, Carmen. I was hoping to hear that conversation you had with your daughter. Maybe you can play (laughs) that. That would be interesting. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm pretty good at playing secular Susie. So, um, yeah, I am am argumentative by nature. And so um, the the greatest challenge for me is always to um, allow the other person the time and space to make their case. Sure, sure. Yeah, Yeah. that's the hardest part for me. Okay, so you and I have a long list. Let's start with antibody tests. I think I want an antibody test. I think I want to know if I've already had COVID-19 and if I've developed antibodies and therefore I'm, you know, like safe. Am I even thinking right? Well, everybody wants an antibody test if they understand what's going on. And over 70 companies are coming out with them uh, right at this time. Uh, The one problem is we don't know which ones are really good and which ones are not so good because they have not had to go through FDA approval. Uh, The FDA trying to get these tests out is saying uh, you just have to say this isn't FDA approved and uh, it doesn't diagnose uh, that you have it, but it can tell you if you have had it. So there's some good tests out there. That's going to kind of be sorted out over the next couple of weeks. But this is going to become more available. Now, who's going to get it? First of all, it's going to be people that have had COVID-19 because one of the things they're really trying to do is identify people who have antibodies that they've made against the virus so they can take plasma from them. That's the non-red blood cell part of the blood where the antibodies are 
test it, see how many antibodies they have, and if they're fairly high, give that as treatment to people that are seriously ill in ICU. So those people are going to have priority. But over the next couple of weeks, these are going to become more and more available. Encourage you a couple things. One, don't go buy one off the Internet. Uh, there's a lot of fake stuff out there. Uh, go through your health department, go through your doctor, go through however else you can get a hold of this if you want to do it. Uh, why, why do it? It tells you what you said. Did I have it? Not know it. Uh, secondly, they're trying to figure out, and we don't know, this is one of the issues, how much immunity is enough uh, when your antibodies need to go a how high before you cannot get this again. Also, we're beginning to see in Korea people that had it that become positive for it again without appearing sick. Uh, they don't think they can transmit it, but a lot of funny things going on with this virus that are they're kind of unusual. And then the big issue, and this is a huge issue, and the reason they're going to roll it out to as many people as possible, is when can we go back to work? When can we go back to having society? And we need to know a profile of how many people actually have immunity, had it, didn't know it. And uh, and that uh, identify those people and get them back to work and hopefully many more as uh, more become immune. You made um, uh, you made reference during that conversation to some some false things that are happening out there. I know we're you know here we're talking about some false tests, but there've also been some claims of some cures. Some and those are false as well. Talk talk about that. Uh, one of the worst ones, so it just came, FDA came out yesterday warning people about it. It's called the Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing Miracle Mineral Solution. It actually has a substance called chlorine, chlorine dioxide is what it is. Chlorine dioxide is a powerful bleaching agent. This is like drinking uh, concentrated Clorox. And they're giving this to people. And we know that it can be life-threatening, causing low blood pressure, dehydration, cardiac arrhythmias, uh, respiratory failure, liver failure, all sorts of problems. And people are selling this on the Internet. And so the FDA very rightly has jumped on these folks and told them to cease and desist. But other things are being out there that are being sold. They claim that this... Um, substance they're selling, this mineral solution can cure HIV, it can cure autism and cancer and hepatitis and flu. Anytime you see someone claiming that something can cure everything in the kitchen sink, you know they're selling snake oil. Yeah, I just, the, that kind of stuff I think is just so scary. And um, and sadly, the name church is uh, in the mix of all of that. Dr. Stevens and I are going to take a very brief break. You can visit cmda.org for more really good resources. When we come back, I'm going to ask him how I can sleep through the night and how you can too. We'll be right back. It is Continuing my conversation with Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can visit them online cmda.org. All right, Dr. Stevens, in anticipation of this conversation, I took note last night of all the times I woke up, uh, 11, 16, 1, 18, and 2, 12 before I got up at 4. So help me out because obviously, like, right, I'm like two hours. I'm like two hours at a time. It's not good. 
Well, first of all, when I saw this topic, I thought to myself, I really should speak on how to get along without sleep because physicians <laughs> physicians have a lot of experience with that. All the night call, when I left the mission field, people kept asking me, you know, do you miss being in the hospital? And I said, well, I'll tell you one thing I don't miss. I don't miss night call. But yeah, sleep is, is an issue and it, it tends to be more of a problem as we get older. And there's 50 to 70 million people in the United States that struggle with sleep. So let, let's go through some things. First of all, limit caffeine. And if you drink alcohol, alcohol actually makes you sleepy, but you don't sleep well. And then think about what caffeine is in. We think of tea and coffee, but it's also in chocolate. That's one of my weaknesses. And uh, make sure you don't have any caffeine uh, any later than late afternoon. That can help. Second, set up a consistent sleep schedule. Get to bed at the same time. Get up at the same time. That puts you in a better sleep zone. Limit your naps. You're tired. You get home. You got up early at 4 o'clock. Let me grab a nap. Naps are okay, but they shouldn't be longer than 20 or 30 minutes, or they will decrease your sleep quality when you really need it later that night. Next, go to Walmart or wherever store and get some melatonin. There's two types of melatonin. There's the short-acting and the long-acting. Long-acting is expensive. Short-acting is not. Short-acting is just as good. You can always take more of them. They come as gummies. And it's a sleep hormone in your brain, and that can help with insomnia in many people, not all of them, but many people. Uh, think about whether you may have uh, obstructive sleep apnea, and you may need to be tested for that. If you keep waking up, I know my wife, I you know, I know how to recognize this stuff. She kept sleeping and waking up, waking up, waking up, never noticed her snoring or doing anything like that. We had her tested, and sure enough, she had sleep apnea, and a CPAP machine made a world of difference in her life. And then just keep at it. Uh, try not to have anything stimulating right before you're going to bed. You're watching an action movie or whatever. Uh, get in bed, read a book for a while, uh, that type of thing, um, and drink something warm that's not caffeinated. And often that will help. Take a shower uh, before you go to bed. A nice hot shower or bath can, can really relax you as well. But these type of things together can make a difference. All right, I've made my list. I will report back the next time we talk how it has all worked out. Um, and the whole is, world will know what kind of doctor I am, how good I oh, am, depending no, on no, how no. you sleep. The pressure is <laughs> no. tremendous, this Carmen. Is, this is not telemedicine. This is radio medicine. I like it. Okay. Um, so um, uh, let's do this one. What does love do to the brain? Well, there's a lot of study on that because people uh, are very interested. And they actually did a study in London uh, taking... 17 volunteers, both male and female, who were deeply, truly, madly in love, they claimed, and actually scanned their brains uh, while they were looking at pictures of their loved one and relating uh, wonderful events they'd had together. And certain parts of the brain lit up. And uh, I could tell you what those parts were, but they wouldn't make any sense to you anyway. There were lots of parts of the brain that lit up. The trouble was they couldn't figure out why. Uh, it seemed that there was kind of some reinforcement taking place. And the more you did it, the more uh, you thought about your loved one, the more in love you were and the more they lit up. But exactly what was happening when they finished with the study, and they said, this, this is still pretty much a mystery. Uh, there is reinforcement. And the more time you're with the person you love or you're apart and missing them, uh, these things really light up in your brain. But how they all work together, Nobody's really sure love is still a mystery. Hmm. You know, I wonder, it'd be interesting to, for that same kind of study to um, to be done 
in relationship to, let's say, an experience that I would identify as worshipful of God. So maybe not mm. an image of God, but maybe when I'm in a a prayerful state or, you know, a worshipful state when I'm singing, I wonder, you know, I wonder if the same love indicators fire off in the brain. So now you'd have to, you know, right, like that would be kind of an interesting study to do. It would be. And and you know that it, you've had a spiritual um, moment in your life and experience. I remember in college, in the Christian college, room, we had a revival that lasts for a week and God did a lot of work in my heart and people's hearts. There's still songs I hear that we sung during that time. I'm talking something last 24 hours a day for seven days. This was a, a mountaintop experience and that floods my mind with the, the memories of what God did in my life is, and uh, in other people's lives. So they just went through the 50th anniversary of that uh, at, at Asbury University where I went. So yeah, that, there, there's something that uh, brings back the wonderful memories of those times that uh, warms our souls. Is that a good way to say it? Well, that's a really good way to say it. So, you know, now that you've shared that you were at Asbury during that um, experience of revival, um, would you share a little bit more about that? I mean, we're we're talking about revival. Um, we've talked about it in the prior hour with some guys from California at InterVarsity. We're going to be talking about it in the next segment um, with some guys who are like sort of tracking the numbers globally right now in terms of spiritual interest and the questions people are asking. What, you know, what's your personal experience with revival? I was a freshman. I was sitting up in the freshman section, and that morning they just had students share testimony. And unbeknownst to me, there were a group of students praying for a revival on our, our little campus, about 1,200, 1,300 students. And after they spoke, God just began to work. I mean, it was palpable, the Holy Spirit in that place. And students started coming to the front and kneeling at the altar and praying and standing up and and sharing a testimony of what God had just done in their life. And some students that hadn't even gone to chapel, skipped chapel because of an exam started coming in. Then people from town and, you know, before the week was over, students were going all across the United States. One of my best friends was in a Christian institution in, in Georgia. Students came and said, can we just have a few minutes of your chapel time to share what God's doing in our revival? and stood up and shared that, and revival broke out there. And there are maps of all the places these students went over the next couple of weeks. And then the impact that had on their lives. One of the things about the 50th anniversary was people standing up and talking about what started then and what God had done since then uh, through them and uh, and in them. And so it, it was you know, you can't manufacture a revival. God's Holy Spirit has to come. And I think that the key to it is prayer and and surrender. And uh, I know that morning I came down, I was planning to be a missionary, but I was still running my life. Uh, I love the Lord, but I was still in charge and got down at that altar that morning and really totally gave myself to Christ. And uh, that impacted the rest of my life and ministry. I may not have been sitting here talking to you today if it hadn't been for that time. Revival is is something that we need to seek and pray for, but realizing only God can bring. Dr. Stevens, thank you um, so much for, you know, for your willingness to share that. Um, thank you, obviously, for what you continue to do each and every day as you allow God to use you um, for his kingdom advancement in this generation. Um, we look forward to our next conversation. God bless you, Carmen. God bless you as well. That's Dr. David Stevens. You can find him at cmda.org. We'll be right back. 
Well, that conversation with Dr. David Stevens about uh, his own experience of revival at Asbury some 50 years ago now uh, and the impact and effect it has in, you know, in an ongoing way in his own life. Uh, the conversation that we had earlier in the first hour um, with James Chung and Ryan Pfeiffer about revival and longing for revival, how to recognize it, how to fan the flame of it. My next conversation is with Jeff Gowler. Uh, Global media outreach engages globally with the questions that people are asking via technology, uh, engages them with the gospel. Um, I had been wondering, are we seeing an uptick in the questions people are asking? Is that a sign of revival? So he's going to join me next to talk about just that. We'll be right back. This is Max Licato. The book of Titus, chapter 2 and verse 11, assures us that God's grace that can save everyone has come. We humans aren't prone to this whoever policy. We're prone to pecking orders. We love the high horse, the affluent over the destitute, the educated over the dropout, the old-timer over the newcomer, the Jew over the Gentile. An impassable gulf yawned between Jews and Gentiles. No Jew would have anything to do with the Gentile, unless, of course, (laughs) that Jew was Jesus. Suspicions of a new order began to surface because of his curious conversation with a Canaanite woman. Her daughter was dying, her prayer was urgent, yet her ancestry was Gentile. Even so, Jesus healed the woman's daughter and made his position clear. He was more concerned about bringing people in than shutting people out. This is Max Locato. Jeff Gowler has joined me before. He is back again today. Global Media Outreach is the ministry. Globalmediaoutreach.com is the website. Jeff, welcome back. Hi, Carmen. Great to be with you again today. Okay, so um, I am going to ask people to write down the number 16,390. 116,390. Because at the end of this conversation, I am going to lift up another number, and you and I are going to talk about the difference in those two numbers. So the starting number when uh, when Jeff Gowler and I started this conversation was 116,390. Uh, we're going to come back just a moment to another number, so write that one down. Um, Jeff, I feel like I am sensing I uh, a revival. I feel... I have a sense that it's happening, then I want to fan the flame of it. I want to point it out where I see signs of it. Um, you have the data to either squash my hope or or fan its flame. So which which one is it going to be? Well, we could probably fan your flame, Carmen. I think, I think that might be the right answer. Uh, things are pretty exciting what's going on in a, in a, in a world where we're really stuck in catastrophe. We've seen a huge opportunity and uh, boy, we are seeing some great results. People are searching for hope. I mean, there's no question about it, right? So fear is rampant. Questions are multiplying all the time. People want to know what the future holds. You and I know that the only way to know that is to know who holds the future. When someone um, in any part of the world types in to their phone um, a question about hope or life or death or God or love or uh, salvation or Easter, 
um, they they will very likely end up in a in an encounter with the gospel through global media outreach. Talk with There's us a- about yeah. Talk with us about um, how people are finding hope during this pandemic. Well, Carmen, back uh, even just two months ago, searching for hope was pretty pretty easy. People would search for hope. They'd they'd find uh, they would chances are they'd find a global media outreach website somewhere in the world. Uh, we're we're ministering to people all over. It's international. Uh, we noticed back about six weeks ago that the the key words changed. They're searching for hope, but they're it's because of fear. It's because of anxiety. It's because of uncertainty of the future, and we took an opportunity right there. We decided to uh, really change uh, our messaging to people to catch them where they were. Uh, So many people now aren't just searching for hope. They're very specific in that fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. So we changed a lot of our ads, our keywords, and uh, really started uh, ministering that way. It it was a Herculean task, but we had people working almost 24-7 trying to get that figured out. Since that time, in the last couple of uh, uh, in the last six weeks or so, we've seen our gospel presentations go anywhere from 350,000 a day to 450, to even 550,000 people a day searching and finding an answer on the Internet, uh, an answer of hope, which is, of course, Jesus Christ. So it's really amazing what's uh, what's ended up happening in a very short period of time. That number that we started out was 116,390. It is already ticked up to 117,600. I can't even keep up with it. It, it goes up so fast. <laughs> uh, it's uh, so we're gonna we're gonna return to that. I just want to, you all to be mindful of when we started this conversation. Uh, that number was 116,390. Um, and yes, I'm not telling you what the number is for, nor where to find it yet, because I want you to stick with the conversation that Jeff Gowler and I are having. Global Media Outreach is the ministry. Um, one of the things that you guys are discovering is uh, is that we're all in this together. Um, wh- when we talk about the questions that people are asking right now, um, does it feel like they've kind of leveled out? I mean, in terms of like, I people, no matter what their station or status is or was prior to this, kind of everybody is asking the same questions now. Oh, they, they really are. Uh, they're, try, they're confused. They're trying to figure out where did this come from? Why is it happening? What does it mean to me? They're, they're, they're nervous they're going to get it. If they do, what's going to happen in the future? They're anxious about everything, really. Their bank accounts have gone down. And this is an international thing. This isn't just the United States. We live in the United States. We, we see it, but it's international. It is all over the place. We've gotten messages from the Philippines uh, just saying, where did this come from? We're, we're very confused. We don't know what to, what to believe anymore. Uh, China is saying it was the U.S. The U.S. is saying it was China, and they're blaming milita- they're blaming the military or, or countries. And uh, you've got Muslim people that are saying, well, what about our God? We, we don't know what to think about him anymore. So it's, it's just, but they're all coming in. They're looking for, can you give me one answer? We, of course, can look at that answer. We know what it is. So we'll try to meet them at that point of need when they're searching for one thing, but we always steer them back to the real answer. And that's, that, of course, is Jesus Christ. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how do I share Jesus in a time of pandemic? Um, how do I share Jesus in a time of social distancing? Um, you guys have been doing this now for 15 years. It does seem as if God 
has not only positioned and poised global media outreach for such a time as this, but you guys actually know what you're doing. Like this is not uh, this is not a haphazard effort. This is actually like uh, this is data based. It's real. It's effective. Um, talk about the impact of one dollar. Well, the impact of one dollar, we've told people for years, we can reach a person, share the good news of Jesus Christ for ten, about 10 cents. That's been kind of the average. So one dollar would reach would reach about 10 people. And so it's very cost effective when it when it comes to that. Uh, but, you know, new new things are opening up that's making it even less expensive when you look at some of the social media channels. So uh, it's everything is changing in a hurry. Uh, we've also you know, a lot of people had to pivot. We had to pivot in our messaging, but we've also seen churches responding that same way. And they've, they've pivoted also in going online. One of the things that we're able to do uh, with our response system is we've got 3,500 people around the world that are able to respond to people in their time of need. So not only do we answer a question on the internet, but we, we are then able to hook them up with an online missionary and let them be able to discuss what these issues are and to pray with them. So it becomes a very personal conversation that they have. That's one of the benefits that I think we've got because we've built that up over the years. It takes a long time to do it, but but that thing, that is one of the things that's really set us apart, I believe. Um, all right, Jeff and I have to take a very brief break. The number is now over 119,000. Remember, we started at just over 116,000. Um, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to continue my conversation with GMO, Global Media Outreach's Jeff Gowler. We're going to have him tell us some stories of transformation, and then we're going to actually talk about what these numbers mean, because these numbers are people encountering the gospel. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Jeff Gowler from Global Media Outreach. You can check it out at globalmediaoutreach.com. Uh, the number is up, uh, well up over 120,000 now. Um, started at just over 116,000 at the beginning of this conversation. Jeff, um, talk with us about or, or share with us a story of transformation because behind these numbers that we're going to be talking about, behind these numbers are individual people. So, Tell us one of these stories of transformation. Well, there are so many of them. One of them that just came recently was a Muslim man from Egypt uh, who was just very confused right now. And he, he's wondering about this Isa uh, and the miracles that he's done because he doesn't see that in the Muslim faith. He's not seeing those miracles. So he, he was online with one of our online missionaries, Nasser. And Nasser w began explaining to him. Now, this was happening in Arabic. Uh, and they were, he was explaining to them about this Jesus of the Bible. And they ended up having several different com communications together. They ended up, uh, he ended up downloading a Bible off of our site. And by the way, right now, uh, I'll just throw this in that, you know, right now people are searching for hope, but they're hungry, hungry for the word. And we're seeing about 3,000 copies of the Bible get downloaded off our websites on a daily basis right now. That'll translate into over a million in, in a year in multiple languages. It is crazy how hungry people are for the word. And we're able to provide that to him. But anyway, he asked for a Bible. He began reading the Bible. Uh, he ended up giving his life to, to Christ. And then he got back with the, the online missionary that he was talking about. And he said, is there any way you can help find me 
a place to meet other believers. And so we were able to, through one of our contacts that we've got in, in Beirut, we were able to find a church in Egypt uh, that he could actually start attending. And uh, he, he just read, wrote, I'm sorry, he just wrote back saying, I'm now experiencing joy for the first time in my life. And he asked if we could contact his wife so she could learn more about Jesus. That's a cool story. Jeff, that's such a cool story. And it is, um, it's evidence of how the body works together because global media outreach isn't a church and global, global media outreach isn't trying to, um, you know, supplant the church. It's trying to do what it has uniquely been called and positioned to do, which is to answer the questions when they're being asked, um, as they're being asked, in the language they're being asked, on the device uh, where they're being asked. Um, you guys really have leveraged technology for the gospel in ways that nobody else has. And so you're doing your part, and then you are acknowledging that other parts of the body need to then do their part. And the church in particular is then needs to be prepared to receive these people who have encountered the gospel for the very first time, they have downloaded a Bible, but they need someone to come alongside them to read it. Um, so there is discipleship uh, to a point, but then there is this connection to local churches all over the world. It really is, um, it really, it is a, a witness not only to the gospel, but it's a witness to the way the body is called forth to work together. Well, that's right. And yeah, we know we can't, we can't do all of those. Our swim lane, really, if you just look at that, what we want to do is be able to share Jesus with everyone on earth. But it's going to take, we can do that, but we need help you know, with, the, with the discipleship. We've got some, but, but we also work with partners on that. When it comes to church connections, we're working with people all around the world, uh, 12 different languages. Uh, we've responded in 40, 40 different uh, languages that we've responded in, but we minister in 12. But these online missionaries, 3,500 of them around the world, most of those have come through church connections. It's churches getting together, and they've talked about it through their missions board or, or whatever it is, and people interested in ministering to people online, and they've been doing that for years. And the church is very, very integral in making this happen so that we can minister deeply to people, not just share the original message, but also take them deeper in their walk with Christ. So, Jeff, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give people the number, and then you're going to tell us what these numbers mean. So we started out this conversation, and I gave people a starting point of 116,390. That number is well up over 122,000 now. So when we talk about those individual numbers, um, 122,530, it just goes so fast. It, the, the clicker's running so fast right now, I can't keep up with it. So it's well over 122,500 people. Talk with us about what these numbers are, because this number is going up very quickly just during the course of this conversation. Well, when we talked about people searching for hope, that those dots represent those people that are searching for hope. The interesting part of that, what you're talking about, those numbers that are going up, and you can find that on the live map at globalmediaoutreach.com. Anybody can look at that. But those are actually tabulated for us. Uh, we don't track those ourselves. We use uh, other analytics that are tracking those numbers for us. And those are the people that have searched for hope uh, because they're either in fear, they're, they're in anxiety, they're uncertain about the future, and they're looking for an answer. That's how many people have been searching in just that amount of time 
By the end of the day today, that number will probably be close to 500 to 550,000 people, of which about 61, 62,000 will indicate a decision for Christ. That's exciting, and but we've got to make sure we continue to minister to them, to disciple them, to grow them in their faith. So it's, this is an exciting time for us, Carmen. It, it's just, it is just really, uh, the th- everything's taking off. Uh, people are, God has given us an opportunity. Steve Douglas talked to me the other day. He uh, was on a call and he said, we have got the opportunity of a millennium. You know, and he's, he's really right. And we can't afford to waste it. We can't afford to, the churches can't afford to. A churches have pivoted quickly. They're using the technology that's available out there. We all have to do our part. And God's giving us an awesome opportunity right now. It is so exciting. We love partnering with you. Um, We're going to check back in with you. I want to encourage people to go to globalmediaoutreach.com. I mean, it's just fun to just sit, click the see it in action um, and just watch the numbers go up. It's also um, even greater if you want to engage. So there's a get involved button on there. I would encourage you to get involved. Certainly pray, give if you can, volunteer if you feel so called. Lots of opportunities to engage with global media outreach. Uh, You can do so at globalmediaoutreach.com. Jeff, thanks for joining us again today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen. I really appreciate it. We'll do it again. All right, friends, we'll be right back. All right, I don't know about you, but I get very excited when I talk with fellow believers about what God is doing around the world in the hearts and lives of people who just yesterday or an hour ago or 10 minutes ago did not know the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. They did not know um, that there was hope, not only, um, you know, hope that springs eternal, but hope right here and right now. You and I get to be witnesses of that gospel today. You and I get to be ambassadors of that king and that kingdom and its principles today. Every place, every time, every conversation is an opportunity um, to be people who are light in the midst of darkness, people who are um, possessed of the peace of Christ in a world that is fractured and people are full of fear. So what are you going to be full of today? What are you going to be full of today? Because the world is going to squeeze us, right? The circumstances of life are going to squeeze us. That house you are in is going to squeeze you today. Um, finances are squeezed. Tensions are are running high. So when the world squeezes you today in whatever way that's going to happen, what's going to come out of you is what you're full of. And so I'm going to encourage you to be a person who is full of grace and truth. Invite God by the power of his Holy Spirit right now to fill you afresh and anew to revive your heart, to revive your spirit, to revive your passion for the gospel. Easter is not a day on the calendar. Easter is a reality in which we live each and every moment of a resurrected life to the glory of God and to the edification of others that more and more people might come to know the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. So let's be full of that today. Have a great day. Thank God.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.